Aha, there it is, the crisp sound of a CR-125, courtesy of our buddy Darren Durham. Unfortunately, he's not on this podcast, but maybe in the near future. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, and thank you for checking out another episode on the Burb Pod Network. Absolutely love checking out these episodes. Hopefully, you're checking out the entire archive, digging deep and binging on all of the amazing podcasts that we have to offer, whether it's Winner's Take Y'all, the Squad Pod, or the Grom Report. Every once in a while, I like to have on some individuals that don't really fit in any of those categories, and this one certainly fits that bill. Check out this episode, enjoy it, and let us know what you think on our social media. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, heck, you can even find us on TikTok. Anyway, let's get to the episode. Welcome to a Verb Moto broadcast. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. Special thanks to all of our sponsors, but especially Andy Gregg over at Guts Racing. Amazing seat bases, seat foam, seat covers. You've seen them on the track. You've seen it on the back section of Ken Roxon's beautiful RMZ 450, uh, which he rode to a first place finish in the MXGP class at the most recent motocross designations. I was on hand, but the guy who was spinning the wrenches, the guy who was twisting the T-handles to make sure that that thing was straight as an arrow going up and down those hills is on the line with us. He is a repeat offender on the podcast. He goes by the name of Travis Souls. Travis, how's it going? Good. How are you? Hey, I'm not doing too bad, man. Anytime that I get to talk to a top-end tuner like yourself, who literally just builds bikes from absolute scratch, while I have a hard time getting my front wheel to align when I have to put it back on at any one moment, uh, it's 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 a humbling experience, my friend. It's cool. It's cool to be able to chat with a guy like yourself. No, I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. Is there any like tips and tricks that you might have for a guy like me who struggles to to get the the front rotor to like line up just right, and then all of a sudden the axle's not lining up, and then I'm just swearing in my garage? There is actually the thing that I do when I do a front wheel or even a rear wheel is before I pull the rear wheel off, I back lead the brake over, so push the caliper over against the uh, rotor, and that'll give you more room in between the pads. Oh yes, and, it, and then it's, so that way you've got three times as much room to get it in there where your pads are. You can basically throw the wheel up in there, run your axle through, and then pump your brake back up. Perfect. No, that's exactly what I need to be doing. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I maybe I need to go to one of those uh, one of your uh, mechanic medic uh, uh, classes if you ever do get back to those. Uh, because uh, yeah, like for a little while there, you were teaching some people how to work on bikes. Yeah, we had the we had the moto medic class going yes. there. It was uh, it was kind of a a spawn of something I've kind of wanted to do for a long time. I mean, I, I like to give back, and obviously, I didn't I wasn't born with this knowledge. I was I was taught this stuff, and I just I wanted to give back to people. And yeah, it's just a lot of it is just the little stuff, like what I just told you with that front brake rotor and caliper, and um, it's just a lot of like the little secrets. You know, I work on dirt bikes almost every day, so I would hope by now I would have it figured out. But um, also, I just I go along with like the safety of it too. I mean, it's it's not a safe sport, and if you're going out there with loose spokes, your front wheel is going to blow apart, and then you really got a problem. So, yeah, it was it was a cool experience. I've been really way too busy right now to to do them, but yes, uh, definitely plan on trying to do some in the in the near future. Yeah, get back to that when you're not jet setting off to another continent. Uh, and we'll get back to that in just a short bit here. But, um, you've been working with Ken all of 2023. Uh, that was like basically a f- full 
first time full-time partnership between the two of you guys. You are familiar with each other, of course, from the RCH days back in 2016, uh, when uh, the bike was a little bit different uh, back then, not totally different than it is today. Um, but, uh, unlike the internet, I'm, I'm aware that there have been some upgrades to the RMZ, uh, over the last, uh, two decades. Um, like, tell me a little bit about working with a guy like Ken Roxon and the fact that you guys essentially built a bike, uh, off of a, a showroom floor bike, uh, obviously coming along with quite a number of bikes and, uh, of parts for that bike. Um, but winning the MXGP class on a bike that wasn't basically created in the U.S. and then shipped over is quite the feat. And, uh, yeah, you guys did it with, uh, a pretty, some pretty in- interesting circumstances. We did. We did. So it was, we kind of went, you know, back and forth whether Ken was going to do it, whether he wasn't. And we finally, you know, obviously came to the conclusion that we were going to do it. And, um, I was planning on, we were going to, you know, build a bike real quick at the shop, throw it a crate, send it over. And that's not what happened. We ended up uh, not having enough time to do that. So we um, we got a couple brand new bikes from uh, Johan Suzuki uh, Suzuki dealership over there that used to help Ken uh, back in the day when he was amateur. So they showed up with two brand new bikes, and then we brought. Um, Ken's really weird with like his frame. He's really touchy if like a brand new frame. He could feel it's just a little too stiff. These Suzukis are kind of stiff to begin with. So okay. we brought a frame that had four hours on it just so we knew that you know we were. We, we knew we weren't going to have a lot of time on the track, so I just wanted to have something that was already pre-broken. And then, um, you know, like our exhaust and our bars and sprockets and chains and just stuff like that. But, yeah, we basically brought all of Ken's specific stuff in bags and just prayed that they were going to make it. If You know, if one of the bags wouldn't have made it, we would have been uh, in a real scramble. But, uh, fortunately, everything made it there. And as all the other teams are rolling their bikes out of their fancy factory rigs, I'm there Thursday building a bike out of a bag and we ended up winning on said bike. And I, I couldn't think of a, a cooler story than to do it that way. Yeah. That, that is the ultimate, like, uh, Hey, look at this. Uh, you guys do like, you kind of, you got all your ducks in a row. Uh, like the, all the, the <clears throat> team Australia is like up in like, it looked like a, uh, the space station. It's absolutely the sterile, beautiful environment. I'm sure they had like watercress sandwiches, uh, uh being served, um, to the mechanics. And then, uh, you just got souls in, uh, under like a, what was that? A 20 by 20 awning, uh, that like, you just had like Germans just craning over you nonstop. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically I think that was a, a glorified box truck that you guys were working out of, but you made it work. It was pretty cool. We did, and the, the cool thing with that is so um, Daniel Johansson, the guy that owns the, the Suzuki dealership over there, it's his truck that we were using, and, you know, they, they stepped up. They didn't need to help us, but they did, and they were they were great people. And um, like I said, getting back to some of the history with that, they used to help Kenny back in the day. Oh, no way. So it was kind of a cool – yeah, it was kind of a cool full circle moment, you know, for them to have Ken, one, back in – or back underneath their truck that Ken had raced and they had used back in, you know, previous years. And then to, one, be doing it for GP for the uh, donations, and then to just go and win it. I mean, they were they were just as pumped as we were. And um, honestly, without those guys, um, it would have been a lot harder. I mean, they Daniel was basically my go-to guy. Anything I needed, any questions I had, he either had the answer or would get the answer. Him and uh, Manny, who is one of Ken's really good buddies, he grew up with him. And, yeah, without those two guys over there, I, I really leaned on them a lot. And uh, I give them, you know, a lot of the credit for – for bringing the truck and the bikes and, you know, just doing everything else to, 
you know, to make, I was stressed out until I had a complete bite. Cause you know, why, why wouldn't you be? And then, um, you know, to just have a couple guys that I could lean on was, was very nice. So when I'm craned over your shoulder, uh, watching you put on the chain, like you're, you're, that's a high tension moment for you or, or, or is that, that just a walk in the park? No, that was, that was the, the least of my worries. Cause at that point, that was the last thing I had to do to that bike. And I was, I could see, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so yeah, when you got there, it was, it was about perfect timing to, to, you know, normally I always put the chain on last. I don't know why it just always, that's just always how I build my bike. And okay. if you see me putting a chain on, you know, I'm about done for the day. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, the bike looked great. Obviously, uh, it ran great on the track. Uh, Kenny ends up taking home, uh, the, the number one spot in the MXGP class, uh, much thanks to, uh, Mr. Jet Lawrence uh, going down in the first moto. Obviously, his first moto score didn't do him any favors in that respect. Um, but a better day for uh, for Ken, a guy who uh, a lot of people, they've probably written him off more times than anyone can count. Um, but Ken Roxon continues to come back uh, time and time again. Prove to everybody that he is a world class racer. Um, you and him uh, led the like were second most laps in uh, the outdoor nationals, even though you only went to one round. Uh, led laps and won motos at, at the SMX uh, side of things. Um, you guys went over and, and won a, a world supercross round uh, and a supercross race as well. Like this has been a pretty wild season for you. Um, yeah, to, to kind of take me through it a little bit. I know we talked about it uh, on the previous podcast, but uh, let's dive into it a little bit more. Yeah, it's it's been honestly a, a dream run for me this year. Um, you know, obviously getting a guy like Ken, um, it just elevates the whole program. I mean, it elevated my program more than I. I mean, you know, I'm always learning, always you know wanting to do better. But to to have a guy like Ken, and then to have all the people around, and then you know he's everybody's writing him off to go to this Suzuki. And I knew the day that he came and wrote it, like there's the, the, he, he is meant to be on Suzuki. Like he, he does just something. He gels with the Suzuki and I knew we were going to have a good year. I didn't know that it was going to be this good, but um, definitely just been a hell of a lot of fun. And just to, to be a part of that. And like you said, to get my first win and to lead laps and to, you know, go overseas and win a race and then to win the GP, um, yeah, it's just it's been absolutely unreal, and he has honestly been the one of the best guys I've worked for. It's just it's been so much fun. Absolutely, no, you've definitely worked for a lot of different guys o- over the years, including uh, uh, spinning some wrenches for Chad Reed, uh, both mm-hmm. when he was at JGR as well as uh, when he was part of the the sort of the resurgence of two two racing. Latest on on those on the Huskies, you were part of that too, correct? I did, uh, so 2020 when he did the one last ride, um, he started off on a Honda before COVID hit. So I did all of the rounds up until Indy. And then once COVID hit, then I was done with him for that year. But, uh, but yeah, stuff with him, you know, back to Yamaha, um, was at Rocky Mountain for a little bit, um, RCH, JGR, you know, the factory Suzuki's. And then, uh, yeah, I've kind of, I've been around, but this, this year obviously just ranks way up there, you know, to get the win and, to just go down the line and know you have a chance every week is, you know, it just puts, makes all the hard work worth it. And it also makes the time away from home a lot more worth it. You know, if you're, if you're actually going out and winning races and leading laps, you know, it just, it makes that, that void from being home worth it. 
A hundred percent. And, uh, like, uh, we spoke, uh, earlier off, uh, off the air. Um, you're welcoming, uh, a, a new baby girl into the fray in just a couple of days. You already have two children, uh, a seven and a two year old. Um, so you're a busy father. Um, I, I guess it's just sort of a hats off to, uh, to Sydney Souls, who is the support system within all this. First of all, she's absolutely gorgeous. I don't know how you pulled that off. Um, I don't even. <laughs> Serious, you out like the when if if there was a definition of out kicking your coverage in the dictionary, there's a picture of you next to it. Um, but uh, good on you on that one, man. She's uh, she's special, not only uh, like beautiful woman, but also takes care of you. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I couldn't do all of this, you know, without her. She takes care of the kids when I'm gone. Um, we just have the best time when I'm home. You know, we we definitely separate racing and, and, uh, and family life. So when I come home, I mean, I have a, a little bit different of a program where I, I do like a fly in and fly out. So I'm not at the shop during the week. Um, so that gives me a time to, to actually, you know, get away from it. And then also once I'm there, that's all I'm doing. She understands that, you know, it's, it's full-time job when I'm there and then it's a full-time job when I'm home here to, you know, to fight for the family. So, but yeah, without her, you know, none of this could be possible. And I'm just, I'm happy that we got to share this this year together. I mean, it's, we got married. We're actually, our daughter is due um, Sunday, which is our one year anniversary, wedding anniversary. That's cool. So she may be born on our wedding anniversary. And yeah, it's, it's just been a hell of a year. I mean, we got married. Um, we went racing. I was gone basically all of, we got married in October. So um, I was gone basically all of November, all of December, and all of January. Once we got Ken, I was in California the whole time. And then we seen each other maybe maybe eight days and three months. And then we went on our honeymoon in February when we had that break. And then, you know, it's been it's been racing, and she's she's put up with it. And when I'm home, you know, she, she's my rock. And when I'm gone, she she's my biggest motivator. You know, she's like, you, you – you have to do this because when when this uh, opportunity came along, we sat down and talked, and I'm like, "Hey, this is going to be a lot of work, and I'm going to be gone a lot." And I just, I don't know if where we're at, you know, in our with our family and everything, if if I can can do that and give the team what they need and give you what you need. And she goes, "You're dumb if you don't take this. <laughs> like we will figure it out." So you know, super supportive, and you know, just just my rock, and couldn't do it without her. Absolute. And you said that, uh, you, you don't take, uh, HEP home, HEP Suzuki home with you, but what if the truck just shows up in your front yard? It has. Okay. <laughs> she actually, she, for us, it's actually not, not that bad because I still get to be home that night. And then I, I get to build out of my garage, which I've got set up, you know, to, to work on bikes. So I do some side stuff here and there, but, um, yeah, that's been three or four times now. We've, I just had the truck pull in here, you know, get the truck driver off the road, cook him dinner, you know, make him breakfast the whole nine, give him a place to sleep, let him shower. And then I uh, build my bikes and just send him on the road. And it's kind of fun to be, you know, at home building Ken Roxon's bike. And like, even, you know, you get neighbors here and they're like, why in the hell do you live here? You know, you're, you're Ken Roxon's mechanic. Why do you live here? And I'm like, this is just, this is where we call home. So it's, uh, I've actually got some brownie points from, from having the truck here as well. So. There you go. Yeah, I'm sure Larry Brooks just uh, super pumped on the same thing with uh, Big Dustin Pipes, uh, and and uh, Old Man Pipes. He they were both over there in uh, in France, which is an eight hour time difference from where you're at. By the way, uh, I could only imagine the amount of jet lag you're experiencing when uh, trying to align the front wheel uh, when putting that bike back together for the first time. 
Yeah, that honestly, when we landed, we landed Wednesday late afternoon. So we, we actually got to go back to the house that we were staying at and just got to relax. And I went right to sleep. Yeah. Um, I think I was sleeping by like 8 p.m. And I slept from like 8 to 8. We ended up going to the track and I felt pretty good. But the last day, so we raced, what, Saturday and Sunday. We mm-hmm. came back on Monday. So Monday when I was at the airport, I was, I was shot. And I think it was just an emotional thing, too. Like, so much had happened and so much could have went wrong. Nothing did. And it was just a relief to, to be at the airport, to get that win, and to just do it the way that we did it. I mean, it's, it's no other team did what we did. And it was, it was just an absolute blast to be a part of. No kidding. Uh, a great performance from Team Germany. Obviously, I think they would have liked a little bit uh, better performance from the 24 machine of, uh, I believe it's, is it Coke? Yeah. Um, and, uh, but Langenfelder looked awesome. Uh, Ken obviously did his thing and, uh, yeah, you guys leading laps and like, I don't know about you, but, uh, I was hearing air horns in my ears for at least two or three days afterwards, uh, the chainsaws and like complete side note, the people I felt the worst for was during opening ceremonies or during the, the, the team introductions they had security that were basically lining along that fence and they didn't give those guys not one ounce of hearing protection. And that was like an hour and 25 minutes of just, yeah. Nah, 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 nah. Oh yeah. It was, it was so loud there. And like, oh. even, even after the race, like when, when everybody stormed the, the starting gate where yeah. the podium is and they put the fences up, it was like a zombie apocalypse. I, mm-hmm. I just, I looked over and I'm like, I didn't know whether to be scared. Like, they have this little fence. I'm like, this, this is not holding a hundred thousand people. Out. No, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and they got horns and flares and smoke and fire, and it was absolutely like it was something that I will never forget. Oh, certainly, and like, like let's just talk about the the crowd for a second here, because seriously, it was uh, like it, it's the most attendees to an MXGP, MX Designations, you name it. 102,000, uh, from mostly France, but also every other nation, because I saw Spanish flags, I saw German flags, I saw Belgian flags, I, I saw Italian flags, you name it. I even saw some Canadians and the Americans were in tow. Um, it was pandemonium. At some point, they burnt down a car. Whether or not someone was inside it is completely unbeknownst to me, but either way, uh, that's a tragedy. And, uh, yeah, there was fires, there was horns, um, and like, yeah, like, like you said, after the, the checkered flag flew, like, I think Tana Leoc was like on the side of the track, just sort of like in a daze and there's just like fans racing by him. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, it was, it was insane. And, um, like even Friday morning, we got to the track super early Friday morning, um, and Saturday morning for that matter, and Sunday morning for that matter. But every morning we got there, we got there about 6.30, 6.45 in the morning. It's still dark out, still cold. It was pretty cold there in the morning. And there was still fires burning. There was still people screaming, yelling, partying, rave music going, strobe lights, horns, bikes started up, revving off the rev limiter. I mean, they didn't stop from the time they got there till the time they left. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, – I, I showed up on Thursday – and it was pretty much all out the entire time. Uh, like it just kept getting, like I, I would show up, I would, I would get out of my truck at, or actually it was a little car, seven o'clock in the morning to get to the press tent for, for seven fifteen every single morning. And I would open up the door and I would hear the, the chainsaws. And it's like, 
do you people not sleep? Like, like, like I've, I've, I've worked construction for a living. You have to refuel those, those chain. Like if you're using like either a quickie saw or a chainsaw, like they don't have a, they don't have a, a big gas tank. Were, were those people just walking around with water bottles full of fuel? Like what, what was the deal there? They, they had to, have. Had I mean, to have. either that or they were, either that or they were pouring their stiff drinks in there and they were strong enough to run on that. I don't sure. know. But they, uh, yeah, it's, I just feel bad. Like if, if you were going there, like with your family, I think the campgrounds were the same all the way through. Like yes. if you wanted to party or be quiet, it's all one campground. Like there's no way you got any sleep. If you stay in that campground, you're not sleeping. No, no, I, that, I think, um, going there to have like a, a good old fashioned, uh, motocross family weekend was maybe a bit foolhardy. Um, any of the video that I saw from the, the evening festivities was absolute pandemonium. Um, like I said earlier, uh, car on fire, there was a, a V8 engine that was basically being like wheeled around that that caught fire and then someone was jumping it jumping over it on a pit bike and that got stuck and the pit bike burnt down. Um, like they set a, a new standard as far as, uh, a, a, like motocross partying and all that fun stuff. Like, uh, I, and I, I talked to Paul Malin about that and he, he I said like, is it going to get crazy here? And he told me that, uh, they were going to make Redbud look like a church service. And I certainly did. Which is crazy. Cause I've been a B lot at, at Redbud. A time I know. Or two. That's where I licked your Back- head. Yeah, back <laughs> back when I used to party, and for those who are, that would that wouldn't have held a match to what I've seen. At Travis has a bald like, head. I don't well. mean the other head. Damn it! That's gonna. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. yeah, Red Redbud doesn't hold a match to the stuff that we've seen over there. No, I mean it's just it's unreal. No, it's it's absolutely un- unbelievable. Uh, you were caught in the crossfire of it. Like, yeah. Um, trying to take the bike apart in some sort of, uh, at somewhat of like a, a, a decent speed. Like, did you just have like, uh, German fans like craned over you just like trying to reach for plastic and whatever else you could grab? They were trying, but the cool part was, was that bike actually stayed together. Cause I'm going to use that bike at Paris Supercross. So oh, okay. the uh, Johannes guys, the guys that brought the truck, they, they actually took that bike back washed it, you know, did everything that it needed to get done to it, and then they're going to drive it to Paris for me. Oh, really? That is awesome. Yeah, so that bike, that bike, I'll, uh, obviously I'll put Supercross suspension on it, but right. other than that, everything else is the same, and then uh, I'll, we'll fly with our Supercross suspension, we'll bolt that on over in Paris uh, here in a couple weeks, and then um, after Paris, I'll stay Monday, take all of our special stuff off that bike, build it back to stock, and then give it back to them. Okay, perfect. Well, and then you'll also have that pretty cool uh, uh, bar pad that uh, Paul per- per- Paul Parabinos over at uh, Renthal hooked you guys up with. That thing looks sweet. Yeah, that thing was pretty awesome. I yeah. just I always like those one off races because it's just it's all that cool little stuff. Like if you have the right people, you know, like a Paul Parabinos or you know people at Fox or any of those guys that have these cool ideas for these one off events, it just it just makes everything that much cooler. If the bike looks cool and the gear looks cool, I mean, down to the bar pad, who would have. Who would have thought we'd have a special bar pad for donations, but we did. The German gear with the uh, the the Suzuki just looks right, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it's, it's a hot, hot look. So good. Yeah, yeah, and it really looks good up front. Did you ever uh, like did, like did you ever forget that he's number twenty two, or were you just like we were walking around looking for number ninety four, and you're just like, where is he? Um, right away, like the first day, it was weird to see the twenty two on there, but. We were the only Suzuki, so it was pretty easy That's to find. That's easy to track. find. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So that that part was pretty easy. I always knew where we were at. We had we had spotters around the track too. So like where we were standing in the mechanics area, you really can't you can't see anything. So as soon as they would come start to come down that hill, they'd say, "Okay, he's coming to you." And then I knew you know have my pit board out and all that stuff. So yeah, I even got like a a number twenty two donation pit board, and I kept that. That thing's pretty cool. That's pretty rad. Yeah, no, I was yeah. gonna say like finding uh, Ken out there would have probably been like trying to spot the only Team Green uh, Kawasaki sixty five rider uh, at Loretta's because that's pretty easy to find. There's usually one one quacker out there doing its thing. That bike hasn't changed since yeah. one. Um, let's uh, let's talk about your uh, upcoming uh, travel schedule, my friend. Uh, you will oh, usher. Yeah. Yes, you will usher a uh, an, inf- an, in- an infant into the world, a yep. baby, um, and then shortly thereafter, you are going to put on some miles like no tomorrow. You're going to go to Abu Dhabi. You're going to go to France. Yep. You're going to like yep. technically, you're going to be on three different, co- four different continents in a month, including North yep. America. Um, yep. So yeah, uh, tell me how you're going to tackle that, how you will stay rested within all that. And, uh, yeah, like, do you, do you think it's harder on you or Ken? Um, I think it's just hard on everybody. I mean, those long flights, I mean, whether you're laying down or sitting up or, you know, it's, they're just, they're long flights. I'm actually, I've normally, I really like flying, but I'm really not looking forward to the Australia flight because that's, I have to go from Paris to Australia. And the only two routes that I've seen basically bring me – so to, to put in perspective how far away Australia is, I'm already going to be eight hours to the east. It's shorter, I think, from the way the flights are for me to fly all the way back to LAX and then from LAX over to Australia. Jesus. I don't know if, I don't know if I'm right or not, but that's all the flights I've looked at. And they all bring me back to the U.S. to bring me to Australia. And then it's still a – shit, I think – 18 hour flight from LA or something like that. Yeah. Well, like Australia is not only on in the Southern hemisphere. Um, the Pacific ocean is like essentially like it, it, it's re- like people don't understand how big it is because it's not really shown on the map properly. Um, yep. like if you turn the globe over, it's basically the whole one side of the world. Yep. Is, is nothing but Pacific Ocean. So, uh, yeah, like, that's why most of it is kind of unreally, like, unsearched, I suppose, uncharted waters. Um, yep. but yeah, you'll be heading down there. Uh, yeah, lots of, lots of ins and outs with this program. And yeah, you'll be jet setting. Um, and the entire time, no matter where you are, you will have a backpack with a Kickstarter in the back of it. Always. I don't go home without it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So, like, I think we talked about that on the last podcast, but refresh my memory. Like, what was the genesis behind that? And, uh, yeah, would like, did you pull it off the bike? Do you have an extra one? Is it gold plated? Is it going to be part of some sort of trophy presented to, to, uh, to Ken at the end of the year? Um, yeah, tell me. No, it was, it was funny. So, me and Ken were talking about it, and he's like, how cool would it be when we win if, if I, uh, took the Kickstarter off and held it up? I'm like, you absolutely have to. Cause Number one, he's embracing that at having a Kickstarter. That's the one thing everybody said it was that is bad about this bike is that you have to kick it. So of course we we embrace it. So um, I just took one, polished it up real nice, and put it in my backpack. So I just always had a set, you know, always had the second Kickstarter on me. But um, but yeah, when we got that win there in Indy, and he goes, "You got the Kickstarter?" I go, "You know I do." Pulled it out, and then that's the one that was on the up on the uh, uh, podium. And then I actually got a tattoo for my first win of a hand holding the kickstarter holding up the number one and i have that on my chest 
with Indy and the date. So if that doesn't tell you how special that was to me. No kidding. Yeah. Some people are getting uh, tattoos of their children and, uh, yeah. and Travis Souls is getting uh, a Kickstarter on his chest. Yep. Um, yep. that's pretty cool. My friend, um, the plan for, for 2025 and beyond, uh, looks like Ken staying at, uh, at Hep Suzuki. Um, what about yourself? Um, so actually, uh, Australia will be my last race with Ken. Oh. And then I am actually going to Triumph. I've accept, accepted oh. a job over at Triumph. This is breaking um, news. Not really, yes. Yes. Not a lot of people know about it. Um, Ken knows, obviously the team knows. Um, yeah. I sat Ken down and said, Hey, I've got this opportunity. You know, I've been talking with Triumph ever since I figured out that they were going to come out with a bike mm-hmm. and uh, finally came to an agreement to go there. And um, Ken, he's bummed, but he's been super, super supportive, which was very nice. You know, I didn't know which way he was going to take it. You know, obviously I'm not, I'm not trying to leave him. I've had the best year, but right. this is a, a long-term deal with Triumph for me and the family and to be an employee and be, you know, you know, onto a different bike and to, it was cool because they, they want me to kind of come and help um, with this bike. You know, it's brand new. From I was going to say, down. are you on the development side? Like, it doesn't sound like you're actually ri- working for one rider specifically. It sounds yeah, like you're Yeah, more... I'll be a race mechanic for the okay. first year. But, I mean, the whole year is going to be development. Anybody that touches the bike, it's development. Yeah. So um, it'll be it'll be fun to, to get there. And um, I know a couple of the guys there, and they're super excited to have me there. I'm super excited to be there. And um, so, honestly, we just put our house on the market here in Kansas. No way. Uh, we have an open house tomorrow morning and then, yeah, I go on this world tour traveling and land back from Australia. I think I get back on a Tuesday, um, Wednesday and Thursday, we pack the house up Friday. I drive down to Atlanta area. And then that following Monday, I start at triumph. So I just add it to the other stuff that we have going on. Travis, do you ever think to yourself that, uh, you live more in one particular year than some people live in their entire lives? I do. And it's honestly, it's, I've had to, a couple times this year, just had to like, just step back and take it in. You know, a lot of this, a lot of the time we go to these, go to races, you just get in a routine, you build the bike, they race it, you tear it apart, you scrub everything, you put it back together. And like, even last year watching people get wins, I'm like, that's gotta be so cool. You know, like you have to cherish that forever. And then I got my first win. And like two weeks later, I kind of, not that I forgot about it, but now we're, we're on to the next race. And like, I just, I had to just sit back and, you know, remind myself that you have to take in some of this stuff. Like even going into some of these stadiums, you're just, we're so used to being there. Um, I can remember the first time when I started at Tedder, the first time I walked down on the floor at A1 and looked up at the crowd, I'm like, this is unbelievable. Like this year, I finally started to get that feeling back where it was like, you're just, you're, you're pumped to be there. And it's just, you know, everything is going great. And, but yeah, it's, definitely seeing a lot this year and you know just thankful for all of it no kidding well congratulations on the gig at triumph and uh yeah it looks like you'll be uh rolling out of suzuki with your head held high knowing that you did a damn good job with ken roxon uh getting him to a supercross win uh and honestly working really closely together and building a camaraderie which is kind of like that's such a travis souls thing like um like the the industry is full of great people um, but like Travis, I, I put you in, in like a, like in the one percenters, like there's, there's people who are like, they'll sort of, that are so welcoming and so just like, they're, they're, they're excited about what they do. Um, they're warm. They, they bring people in and you're certainly that guy. Um, like 
like a, the photography version of that would be a guy like uh, Mike Emery, who like within the photographers, there's so much sort of like cattiness and sort of like, uh, yep. there's, there's a lot of sort of like territorial things. And like, Mike is completely not that way. And you're very much that way as well, where, um, just bring people in. Uh, I think we first met over, uh, some, I believe it was vodka waters in Atlanta. Um, oh, yeah. Ser- served up by uh, by one Dan Truman, um, but yeah, like uh, you're you're a really special individual, and uh, to, to, to know that uh, Triumph wants to have you on and to give you an opportunity like that, I think that's a that's a testament to not only the relationships that you've built over the course of time doing what you do, but also the worksmanship that you bring with you when you take your toolbox anywhere you go. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, I'm just I'm super grateful to even have you know opportunities like this come up, but. I mean, a lot of these people just kind of forget where they came from. You know, you start, you know, you get into this industry and then you start doing good. And, you know, I've got a couple of mechanics I still talk to, but it's like, you know, we, we build dirt bikes. It's not that cool. You know, it doesn't give you a reason to be a dickhead up to everybody, you know, and I just, I've always have never forgotten. I was, I was that kid on the other side of the, of the fence wanting to be this guy I am now. And, you know, if, if I can take five minutes out of my day and talk to somebody and just, you know, and make their day or, Every once in a while, some little kid, I'll let him come in and sit on Ken's bike. Like I would have given, I don't know what I would have given back in the day to do that, you know, and to just, to, to be in the, to have the opportunity and be in the position that, that I can, that I can give back. And that's, uh, that portal never changed. I mean, I was told the first day I moved to California, I was never going to make it anywhere because I was way too nice. People would walk all over me. And, um, I just killed them with kindness. There you go, man. Well, yeah, I, uh, those same barriers were, uh, were, were put up for me like a goal line defense, uh, that, like, it's so funny. Um, the people who love to work in the industry, but at the same time, uh, it's like, it's like a cutthroat. Don't take my job. Don't take my bread. Um, and if you haven't been here for very long, uh, there's certainly some, some individuals that, uh, that might make things a little bit difficult for you, but, uh, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, that's where that's anywhere, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. No, I get hey, uh, I, I, from the bricklaying world, uh, if you're uh, a first level apprentice, there's uh, uh, t- uh, for every first level apprentice, there's probably ten journeymen uh, that are there specifically just to make your day a little bit harder. Um, yeah, I guess that's what uh, allows you to toughen up to uh, do the things that you do. Because honestly, like you, like I'm sure there's lots of people who would listen to your. Uh, work schedule coming up and be like, oh, that would be so awesome. But dude, it's a lot of work. It's, it is, it is. It's, it's the logistics of flying and, and getting a, a, a rental car in, in another language, uh, traveling this way, that way, getting things set up, having everything, like literally your I's have to be dotted, your T's have to be crossed, you have to be organized out the ass on top of like, mm-hmm. yeah, different time zones, long hours, like, my girlfriend couldn't believe it. Like I, I would, sh- I'd leave for the track at six o'clock in the morning and I would be editing photos or video until damn near midnight. So that's yep. a, that's a 14 hour day, 16 hour day. Like there's not a lot of people who, who would sign up for that. Of course. Yeah. I get to like be on the, like on the other side of the hill at Erne where they're like, instead of being shoulder to shoulder with 102,000 people, uh, I'm standing next to one of that, that big triple step up thing. Like basically I'm the only person getting that vantage point and that's a cool moment, but there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's just one thing you just gotta be grateful for, for where you are. And I mean, you make your own destiny, right? If, If you're, for me, your work speaks for itself too. I don't think, 
you have to go around bragging about how good you are, how good you think you are. I just, I let my work speak for itself. I mean, my bike is my, my resume. And every time that thing hits the track, it's got to be perfect. Cause if not, ultimately falls back on me. Right. And then I've got somebody's career and life in my hands too. So that, that changes it a little bit, but yeah, just, just super, super grateful for everything. And um, just looking forward to the future. Awesome, man. Well, uh, once you get, uh, completely acclimated to everything going on over at Triumph, we'll have to dial you up and, uh, maybe pick your brain a little bit about, uh, how to make those things, uh, just tuned up that much more special. So, uh, appreciate the time, my friend. Um, but yeah, this is, this has been a fun podcast. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Yes. Thanks for having me. And any, anything you need, just let me know. I'll definitely take care of you. So. All right, Ken Roxon, full jersey and Red Bull helmet. <laughs> that would be hard. He's he's actually he's really weird about the jerseys, and I get it. He's, he used to give them out, and then people were not wanting him to keep. They were wanting him to sell, and they go for really good money because he doesn't hand a lot of them out. But yeah. now it's just easier to tell everybody no than it is to, I get to you. Uh, you know, one person yes and one person no. So it's it's hard. I hate telling people no on stuff like that, but I just – he just doesn't, doesn't do it that way. He gives away, like, charities and stuff like that. It's, so, like, good – good events and you know stuff that's that's to help people out but yeah he's very very hard to get a jersey from nowadays absolutely and, and i think that's uh, unfortunately that's the way it's got to be because uh yeah like, there's tons of guys out there that will like they'll take their kid to the pits and say hey ken like my kid's a huge fan uh can i get a jersey uh ken throws a jersey and then uh a, a week later i see that exact same jersey uh is in somebody in one of the collector's collections uh, and yep. I know he paid probably like 600 bucks for, it. I'm like, really? Um, yep. yeah, that's, that's dirty pool. And, uh, it's, it's, it's a shame because yeah, like I, I've like relished the days of running into the pits at uh, Millville after every national and, and bugging, uh, guys like Jamie Ellis for plastics, um, off of his, uh, uh, like Yamaha of Troy back. I think he was working with either Gerke or like, uh, like maybe, uh, uh, who is he with? I think it was Gerke. He was with either Gerke or, uh, yeah. McFarland. He was with McFarland. Okay. It might have been either way. Uh, but yeah, I used to give him shit all the time. And then he'd always be like, oh, come back later. And then everything would be gone. And like, just played. Yep. Like, that was just like a way of throwing me off. Appreciate you, Jamie. <laughs> well, it's hard. It's hard when you got 400 people asking for something. You know, it's just, it's hard to tell one guy yes, one guy no. And I mean, I've got a soft spot for the little kids, you know. Of course. If, if I can make, if I can make a kid's day by giving him a piece of plastic, you know, I'm gonna. Oh, absolutely. I, I was I, like, I was always like, uh, shy about asking. And then sometimes I see kids walking out with like two fenders, a shroud and like nine number plates. You're like, how the, like, <laughs> yeah, if, if, if you come up and you've got more than one, I don't normally give you one because I would rather give it to somebody that doesn't have, doesn't something. have one yet. Yeah. So, but yeah, definitely plastics, one thing, but yeah, jerseys and helmets, definitely not helmet, but <laughs> Yeah, no, helmets are like the, that's like the holy grail of trying to get, get one of those off of somebody, especially a Red Bull helmet. Like, that's basically never happening. Uh, although rest assured, if Ken ever did hand me a Red Bull helmet, uh, that thing would be proudly displayed in my office here and, uh, never put on eBay. I, I would live in a box with, uh, <laughs> with that, with that helmet, uh, proudly displayed in my box living room. But, uh, Travis Souls here on the Big MX Radio podcast here on Verb Moto. Uh, appreciate the time, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Like I said, anything you ever need, just let me know. You'll be hard-pressed to find somebody out there as nice as Travis Souls. 
We're talking about a guy who always makes time for the Verb Pod Network. The guy is an absolute workhorse. He bends over backwards for the people who matter most to him. Him and his wife brought in a brand new baby girl today when I'm recording this right now. That is so cool. Congratulations to them. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Hopefully you're enjoying them. Hopefully you're checking out on us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. Uh, we are on there and uh, yeah, lots of awesome content. So go check those out and uh, yeah, make sure that you're keeping up with all things Verb Moto. You can go to the website, guys. There's tons of stuff on the website that you don't always see on social media. So go ahead and check those things out. Maybe you even want to weigh in on the power rankings or something along those lines. Anyway, have yourselves a great one and thanks for listening.